Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of our final broadcast teaching in the book of Exodus, Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus chapter 40 called The Glory in the Tabernacle. Right, so we're going to move now as this ark is going, or I should say the tabernacle is going to be erected. We're moving from the inside out. Notice you've got the photo behind you so you can kind of see how this works. In rapid fire, verse 3, you shall place the ark. That's the ark of the covenant of the testimony there. You shall screen the ark with the veil. That's the holy of holies. The only thing that's there is the ark. You shall bring in the table. That's the table of showbread and arrange what belongs on it. You shall bring in the lampstand. That's the menorah. And mount it, mount its lamps. You can see, if you look at the photo, you can see the placement of each of these things. Moreover, you shall set the gold altar of incense. That represents prayer right outside the veil leading into the Holy of Holies before the Ark of the Testimony, but it's actually on the outside of the screen. And set up the veil for the doorway to the tabernacle. You shall set, you shall set the altar of burnt offering. Now we move into the courtyard outside the tabernacle proper. In the front of the doorway of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting, you shall set the laver, that's the washing basin, between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it. And you shall set up the court all around and hang up the veil for the gateway uh, of the court. There is a way to get in. And in rapid fire, the Ark of the Covenant is in the Holy of Holies, represents God's throne. It was sprinkled on the Day of Atonement to atone for Israel's sin. The table of showbread had the 12 loaves on it, if you will. They would be flat pieces of bread representing the 12 tribes. They were arranged as they should be. This was the bread of the presence. If you skip ahead in the text, you can see these things are mentioned. Skip ahead to uh, verse 22. We'll get some detail now. It says, put the table in the tent of meeting on the north side of the tabernacle outside the veil. And he set the arrangement of bread, there's the showbread, in order on it before the Lord, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. It points to communion, provision, ultimately points to Christ as the bread of God. He placed the lampstand, now he's actually doing it after being instructed, in the tent of meeting opposite the table. On the south side of the tabernacle, it is the light. It had the seven, uh, you know, buds for light, and it brought light, and it's representative of the light of creation, the light of redemption, the light of God. God is our light. It was the only light in the place, and it illuminated the uh, tabernacle. Skipping down, let's see, 24, 25. He lighted the lamps before the Lord, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. He placed the gold altar in the tent of meeting in front of the veil. That's the altar of incense, the place that represents the sweet prayers of Israel going up to God, like incense flowing up. He burned fragrant incense on it. Moses got it going, just as the Lord had commanded Moses, 28. He set up the veil for the doorway of the tabernacle. He set the altar of burnt offering before the doorway of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting. He offered on it, Moses got this going as well, the burnt offering and the meal offering, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. He placed the laver 
between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it for washing. And from it, Moses and Aaron and his sons, these were the priests, washed their hands and their feet, ceremonially making themselves clean. The water symbolically points to the cleansing that God does through the gospel. He cleans our guilty conscience. He cleanses us from dead works to serve the living God. These are all, each of these pieces of furnishing point to Christ and his work for us. We've studied that in the past. And from it, Moses and Aaron washed. And when they entered the tent of meeting, 32, when they approached the altar, they washed just as the Lord had commanded Moses. And he erected the court all around the tabernacle and thus, and the altar and hung up the veil for the gateway of the court. And thus Moses finished the work. Now, just FYI, Moses didn't do the work alone. He had a group of people helping him. You could call them a setup crew of Levites. We have crews that set up and tear down at Living Truth Christian Fellowship. Did you know that? Every week, people get here early. They set up the donuts. It's a very sacred space out there where the donuts get set up every week, right? We have deacons that tear things down like the easy ups and so forth. We have a worship team and a tech team that gets here at six in the morning on Sunday mornings to make sure everything's technically patched together and they've practiced and rehearsed. There's a prayer team before first service They're in my office, in the office at 8.15, praying that the Lord would touch hearts and move in a mighty way. There's people who get here early so that they can serve in Sunday school and check your kids in and make sure that people feel welcome. There's greeters and ushers with a smile and opening the door and welcoming people. And there's people, friends of yours, who give you a holy hug and maybe even if they're really spiritual, a holy kiss. Maybe not too spiritual. Anyway, and it takes a lot. It takes the body to make a church work on a practical level. If you are not serving somewhere, then you're not really being part of the body. Amen? Now, some of the parts of the body are more visible than others. For example, there's people who work in the church office all week long, They're the parts that are largely not seen. They're like the internal organs. They're not seen, but they're really important. Amen? We spend a lot of time on what we can see. Does my hair look good? Did I shave? Did I do this? Did I curl my hair? But if you got something going wrong inside, (laughs) it's going to make a difference, right? You can have a bad hair day and still be all right. So the point is this, that Moses was an older dude. He didn't do this alone. But he, you could say maybe Moses was quality control. <laughs> he had received all the instructions. He was making sure that everything was set up right. But ultimately, it was a team effort to set this thing up. And by the way, this thing was constructed in such a way that it could be set up in a day. That was the intention, that it could be moved because they were moving towards what? The promised land. And so this was a makeshift place of worship. It could be set up and torn down as the Lord would lead. And the moment that Moses finished, doesn't it feel good to finish? John 17, 4, Jesus said, I have glorified you, Father on the earth. I have finished the work you've given me to do. Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I fought the good fight. I finished the course. I've kept the faith. 
It was now time for the divine seal of approval to descend upon this worship facility. It was finally finished. And Moses probably stepped back at some point and he had to feel good. Let's go to the next slide for a second. Because now the glory was going to come down on this place of worship. And the, you can see that the tribes of Israel were uh, camping all around it. Everybody lived in a tent at this time. They were in the wilderness. You can see the altar for the burnt offerings. You can see the bronze laver for washing before you as a priest could go into that holy place. And now, finally, when the building was constructed, the glory of God fell upon it. A building means nothing if the glory of God is not there. Amen? There are cathedrals all over the world today that nobody goes into anymore for worship. They're beautiful buildings void of the Spirit of God. And I'm going to make an analogy from buildings to you. Do you know that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit? You can be the most beautiful person in the world, but if you don't have the Spirit of the living God living inside of you, there's something missing. Have you wondered why you feel a bit empty? Have you wondered why you could do all the external things and impress everybody and their brother? But if you don't have peace with God, you know it. I can tell you the number of times I had all the externals down pat, driving a red Maserati, doing my thing, impressing the girls, doing whatever I was trying to do. And I would look in the mirror at the end of a, a night of partying and I would be empty. And I had to turn up the music to try to silence, silence that voice. Because I knew that I was nothing without God. I knew what I was doing was wrong. It might seem exciting and cool at the time. You get the point. So Moses finished the work. How far has Moses come? <laughs> From being at the burning bush, he's like, I'm, I'm the wrong guy. You can get somebody else. I can't talk. I can't do it. To all of a sudden, this whole nation now is, has this place of worship. They've been set free. The Exodus is about freedom. You want to be free? So the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord, that's our Hebrew word kavod, it means the substance, the Shekinah of God. Uh, it's, it's kind of a, a divine uh, expression of who God is. It filled the tabernacle. F.B. Meyer says, the brilliant light of surpassing glory, the glory of the Lord was undoubtedly the divine Shekinah. Shown from within from with the tabernacle itself, so much so that the very curtains were transfigured by its glow and the whole place was transfigured and rendered resplendent with glory, glorious light. And there God came down. The Bible says when Jesus came and moved among us, he tabernacled among us and we beheld his glory. The purpose of Jesus coming in the flesh, in a body, in a tabernacle, was to move among his people, to come and rescue, to save, to teach us what life is about, to teach us that worship is what life is about, to know the glory of God. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. You can watch videos of Pastor Michael's teachings. 19 chapters later! We know sometimes you hear Pastor Michael mention slides or give other demonstrations, and we have made sure you have access to all the videos from his Sunday sermons. The modern application could be the power of the sword with, for example, a police officer. Watching the videos can also be a good way to see how animated Pastor Michael can be. Even if you have to gulp after you've prayed it. And Lord, one more thing, not... My will. You can watch the video from today's teaching when you visit walkintruth.com. We also live stream one of our Sunday morning services. Pastor Michael believes fellowship is important, so he prefers you attend your church on Sunday mornings. Or you can visit our church, Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California. Before we jump into it, would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for the youth upstairs enjoying a little bit of a party and celebration. But Pastor Michael understands some circumstances make it difficult to attend church services in person. So, you are invited to watch our 10.30 a.m. Pacific Time service. God is not caught by surprise. A golden calf, I can't believe it. Moses may have been, God was not. To watch Pastor Michael's teachings live, hear the worship music and fellowship from where you are, follow our YouTube channel. You can find the link and information on walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Jesus is coming again. Do you believe it? We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. The purpose of Jesus coming in the flesh in a body, in a tabernacle, was to move among his people, to come and rescue, to save, to teach us what life is about, to teach us that worship is what life is about, to know the glory of God. Moses was not even able to enter into the tent of meeting 35 because the cloud had settled on it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. God was in the house. (laughs) And not even Moses, who had gone up on Mount Sinai, gone into the other tent of meeting that we've studied, and the cloud would come down. But now not even Moses could go in there. The glory was so thick. And you might ask, why? Wasn't Moses pretty much the right-hand man, the mediator? How come he can't go in there? Because there's a lesson. And here's the lesson. Only the high priest, only once a year can go into the Holy of Holies where the glory is. And he can only go in there with the blood of a sacrifice. And we're being taught that even Moses needs the atoning sacrifice. There's kind of a shift, if you will, in the message being sent here. And the message is this. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And I can't approach God in the condition that I'm in, even if I'm Moses, because Moses was still a sinner. All have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. As good as a dude as he was, as humble as he was, he was still a sinful man. And Moses still would need the atoning sacrifice. And so do we. Do you know the Bible teaches this, that God dwells in unapproachable light? 1 Timothy 6, 16. He dwells in light that cannot be approached. If you tried to approach God in his glory, you'd be dead. 
You'd simply die. He's too powerful. Our God, the book of Hebrews says, is a consuming fire. Do you see the picture behind me? That doesn't do it justice, but I don't think anybody's going to walk in there lightly. In fact, there were warnings to the high priest that if you walk in here the wrong way, you're dead. (laughs) Why? Because God is holy. And the only way that we're going to stand before this God who dwells in unapproachable light one day and be right and be good and be okay is through the blood of the lamb. Amen? And so this structure becomes a picture of what must happen. Can you go back to photo number two, Adrian? You must experience the sacrifice. You must have the sacrifice applied to you in the outer courtyard. You must be washed in the blood of the lamb. That's the labor. You must go in and partake of the bread of the presence who is Christ, the living bread who came down. You must embrace the light of the world expressed in the menorah. You must send up your prayers to God to be right with God in the incense altar. And then, and only then, can you go into the Holy of Holies by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way. When Jesus died on the cross, the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom, signifying what? That the way is now open. We don't have to do it this way anymore. The temple would be destroyed within a generation from the death of Christ around AD 30 to the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70. This is history. 40 years One generation from the time that Jesus said, do you see all these magnificent stones? The temple uh, supplanted the temporary tabernacle. The tabernacle moved around till they got to the promised land. Then the promised land, Canaan, Jerusalem became the temple mount. You know the story. Then the temple was built. It's called the Solomonic temple. It's the temple of Solomon. It was the permanent structure. But that structure, eventually the temple of Herod, but it was destroyed by the Romans. There is no temple now, and there's no need of a temple. Why? Because the Lord is our temple. You've been listening to The Glory in the Tabernacle, Part 2 on Walk in Truth, Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus Chapter 40. If you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. And could you please do us a favor and encourage a friend or family member to listen to Walk in Truth on this station? The same if you're listening on podcast, please click the share button. If Pastor Michael's teachings have been a blessing to you, then our hope is they'll do the same for someone you care about. Thanks so much for spreading the word about Walk in Truth. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, maybe you've wondered... If Jesus is God and he tabernacled among us, why didn't everybody just kind of die in his presence? If no one can see God at any time, then why could they look upon Jesus and not die? How could they see his face and not die? What we need to realize is that in the incarnation, and I know many of you know this, that Jesus veiled the glory of God in humanity. We get a little picture of that glory on the Mount of Transfiguration, where his cut clothes were changed, his face shone like the sun, and etc. But as he was walking among us, he veiled the glory in humanity. And 
it's hard to understand every angle of that, but what I would just say is that the Bible teaches that the fullness of deity dwelt in bodily form in Christ Jesus, and yet um, he was also fully human. And so in his full humanity, he could interact with people, touch them, look upon them, and um, they didn't die. And why is that? Because he became one of us fully. He was fully human and tasted really all we wrestled with was in all points tempted as us without sin, as yet without sin. We sinned. He was without sin. That's Hebrews chapter four. And so how do we, how do we work this out? Well, we realize that God came down to us to be gracious to us so we could know him. Now he didn't, he didn't come just so that we could touch him or as it were, see the face of God in, in human flesh. He came down to save us. And that's the message of the Bible. The incarnation, yes, he came to bear witness to the truth, but he came to die. Emmanuel, God with us, his name really means Yahweh saves. It was announced that he would save his people from their sins. He's the greater Moses, the greater David, the greater Joshua, superior to the angels, our superior and sympathetic high priest. The book of Hebrews makes it clear that he's fully God who dwelt among us. Even God the Father calls him God, and yet fully human. And in the beautiful mystery, if you will, of the incarnation, the two natures, deity and humanity, are found in Christ Jesus. And that's why we could look upon him. And that's why he could say to the apostles in the upper room, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I would just ask you, as we contemplate the book of Exodus, do you know the God of the Exodus? Is he your God? Have you turned away from the false gods with a small g of Egypt? And I mean, turned away from idols to the living God. Now, when I say Egypt, I'm talking about ancient Egypt. I'm talking about that time when it was, you know, uh, dominated by idolatry. There are obviously Egyptian Christians today, and we've got to be careful that we try to explain these things. But here's my point. Do you know the God of the Exodus, the God of the Bible, who triumphed bringing the 10 plagues, opening the sea, allowing the Lamb's blood to protect them, passing over? being with them by day and by night. This is the God of the Bible. And that same God became one of us in the person of Jesus. Do you know him? He is literally a prayer away. If you've not met him, if you have any doubt, don't navigate this life with a question mark over your soul. Cry out. If you're driving, keep your eyes open. He'll hear you. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming on that rescue mission as the Lamb of God. Thank you for dying on that terrible cross, resurrecting from the dead. I trust you as my Lord and my Savior. I repent of my sin. I believe in you, and I'm going to follow you. Be my king. Be my God. I call you Abba Father. Be my father and be my friend. Teach me your ways, O Lord. Help me to walk with you all the days of my life. I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, 
and you want to know what it means to follow the Lord and not just end it with a prayer, but let that be the new beginning for you, that you learn the ways of the King. Would you reach out to us? There's a couple different ways you can do it. You can send an email to contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. Or you can reach out to us through the website where you can find out much more about the ministry, even how to partner with us. As uh, we have many partners who have come alongside to pay for radio time and prayerfully, we would love to expand to new radio stations. You can help with that. All of that's available at walkintruth.com. You can send a comment through the website. You can learn about more about the local church ministry, more about other teachings we have available, and we can celebrate with you if you've made a decision to follow Christ. It's walkintruth.com. Have a tremendous weekend. Make sure you get into fellowship and serve the Lord. Worship Him in spirit and in truth. And I pray you have a great, blessed weekend. And Lord willing, we'll see you right here on Monday. God bless. And as always, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. If you're a longtime listener, please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner. Your contribution helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast, and with some of the behind-the-scenes work for this ministry. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner for just $5 a month and visit walkintruth.com to give. That's walkintruth.com. And join us on Monday for part three of our final broadcast teaching in the book of Exodus in chapter 40 called The Glory in the Tabernacle. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.